I'm Mary. I'm Nolan. I'm Lakita Ann. We are your hosts, and this is Your World, Your Money. We will be talking real money with real people in a real way. Because everyone deserves the opportunity and tools for freedom, financial or otherwise. Your World, Your Money is brought to you by Hangar Studios, a New York City-based recording studio, and Global Thinking Foundation, a global nonprofit working toward financial freedom and equality for all. money people and welcome back to your world your money this week we have a very very special episode full to the brim with powerhouse women the next hour you will be hearing some incredible women changing this little game called life and talk about women and worth our ladies will not be shying away from the truths and power behind this conversation on women and worth Diving into the racial, ethnic, political, communal, social, and of course, financial aspects of understanding worth as a woman historically, today and tomorrow. You'll be hearing from Claire Wasserman, the founder and CEO of Ladies Get Paid, Jamila Achampong, founder and CEO of Carmoon, and Kiara McClendon, founder and CEO of A for Effort LLC. And this week, I'm a wide-eyed audience member, just like the whole lot of you. I'm going to be sitting here excited to take in some of these incredible conversations and seeing and hearing all sides of something that is inherent to my existence, hi, as a woman and my worth. So I'm going to pass this over to our host, Lakita Ann, a powerhouse female entrepreneur herself, who will be holding today's conversation with Claire, Jamila, and Kiara. So I am excited to get started and to be here. I would love to just start by asking all of you ladies just to give us a short introduction about yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Jamila Achampong. I'm the founder and CEO of Commune, and we are a luxury marketplace for skin tone footwear and fashion on a journey to redefine the term nude. And we are just opening up the conversation of what representation within fashion and beauty means for various skin tones. Hi, I'm Claire Wasserman, and I am the founder and author of Ladies Get Paid. We are a book, an organization, and a global community that helps women advance financially, professionally, and power. I want women to have power in all of the ways that they define it. Oh, we got to close that wage gap, and it begins with us, and it begins with helping each other. So, Thank you to all the thousands of women who are part of Ladies Get Paid. I would not be here without them. And, and thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm Kiara McClendon. I am the CEO and founder of A for Effort LLC, as well as Exceptional Athlete LLC. Both are businesses committed to financial literacy education, one for children, teens, and their families, and the other for athletes. So I work primarily with collegiate athletes, pre-collegiate athletes, and then professional athletes. So I'm here today just to add value to the conversation as a Black woman, helping other people advance, helping other women advance, and more specifically, making sure that we know what to do with our money and how to make more money with it. I am changing the way the world communicates one speaker at, at a time. My name is Lakita Ann, and I'm the CEO of Clear Communication Academy, working with business leaders and public figures in over 60 countries on public speaking, media training, and storytelling. And I am so excited to be here 
Today is, of course, just us sort of riffing off of each other and getting into this conversation about women and worth, which I think is hugely important. But I want to kind of start at the beginning because I think it's important to get a historical perspective when we think about women and worth, because in some ways people are like, yes, you've come a long way. And then in other ways, we're like, okay, girl, not yet, right? Like we still have further to go. So I just wanted to start there. And I would just love to get your perspective on this, Claire, when we think about just the historical trajectory of women and worth and just kind of get your thoughts about this. So interesting because part of me I mean, I'm so impatient, right? The fact that women couldn't even get credit cards until 1974. My mother was the third class of women in college. Aren't we over it? Well, hold on now. That's not very long ago. Also, I'm constantly trying to navigate wanting things to move faster, but knowing that it can sometimes take time. And guess what? History is not linear. You know, we take one step forward, a few steps back. I think we're all feeling that right now a little bit, especially with the pandemic. But I am incredibly proud to see we have more women than ever in the C-suite, in politics. So that's me trying to hang on to the good news. But, you know, it's been it's been far too long. The gaps are too big especially when it comes to the wage gap. I'm so tired of it. Yeah, I I think you mentioned a really good point. So for me, there's moments where I'm so excited until I suddenly have to lead a class on communication and it's all men. And then I'm like, wait a minute, like this is all CEOs. And literally sometimes I have classes of zero women. So I'm like, we've come far, but I'm like, I want to be in a sprint, but right, I guess we're, it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I think those are good points. I joke that we're trying to put ourselves out of business here, but (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. I think that women have come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And I think that people have to understand we're powerful just in and of ourselves. And we have to Wealth has always been a conversation that's dominated by a male's perspective or the idea that only men can amass like large amounts of wealth. Right. And I feel like we really have to work hard, as many of us are on this podcast, to just get rid of that idea altogether. I love to see women bossing up, making sure that they're taking care of whatever their home life looks like, whatever their financial life or excuse me, their professional life looks like. And then also being wealthy in their own right. So for me, the more that we can continue to create more opportunities for women to build wealth, to share wealth, and to break those stigmas as it relates to men being the only wealthy individuals or wealth being a male-dominated conversation, I'm all for it. I'm going to pull up a chair and be actively involved in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. And and I think when we think about worth, historically, it's interesting because I don't think if we go back like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, women's worth wasn't necessarily in in finance or in building businesses, right? We are the person who builds our family. So that's what your worth is, right? That's where people see you as being worthy, right? You were never considered necessarily like being a businesswoman or like, wow, you are really leading future generations. So I, I think it's interesting. And in that way, I do think we've come quite far in moving along. What about you, Jamila? Any thoughts that you have just historically to, to kind of kick off the conversation? Yeah, I think a lot of my input, of course, will come from the lens of, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting a business and 
trying to find ways to scale and find capital. And I think, you know, within not only the financial, but kind of the fundraising and also the startup and tech space, it's extremely male dominated. So I think the conversation about women and work is pertinent even here. If you look at the number of women that are able to raise capital compared to men, it's despicable. And then if you also kind of look at what the brands and the businesses we put value on and the ones that we kind of uplift and applaud, I feel like less worth is put on not only female founders, but kind of founding for women's needs. And I think that's a conversation that needs to be had and a lot definitely needs to change within that realm as well. One of the things that that I think is always interesting is even just getting a perspective culturally around wealth and thinking about wealth, worth of women. I would love to hear either just maybe even Kiara, can you chime in about that? Just even culturally as a woman, as a black woman, your thoughts maybe on worth in, in the community, right? Sure. So I think, um, well, I don't think, I know, <laughs> I know. <but laughs> black women are the epicenter of the black community. Though a lot of times we we talk about the household or the family unit as a, you know, the man is, the, or the male is the head of the household. I feel like the black woman truly is the, the head of the household or maybe the neck that guides the head, right? Like we spend a lot of time being the person that is raising children, being the person that is making sure that the household is running smoothly. But we're also working. We're also building. We're also shaping the next generation of of people that are coming up. So I think the worth that Black women have is invaluable. Even though I talk just now about monetary wealth and, and amassing a certain amount of money, I think Black women in and of ourselves are, there's no number that you can put on how you know, how much we're worth with regards to our culture and our family and the world in general. I think every culture has a tie back to black women, whether it's American culture, European culture, any other culture that you, you know, South American culture, any culture goes back to the strength and, and just the, I don't know, I like the love that I have for black women is, is as a black woman is exponential. So I just, I, I want us to really understand that. I'm like jumping out of my skin over here because you are saying so much. You're you are spitting so much truth. Just it, just about this is like a whole nother conversation. We could probably go on for like four or five hours, but we won't. But I'm also interested in just understanding because all of us have very, very different experiences just in terms of women and worth and how we, how we were raised, the community, all of that. So I would love to get just some personal perspective. So Claire, how, how was that for you, even just growing up and how you were raised and how you came to know more about women and worth or anything like that that you would love to share with us? Yeah, I was raised to believe that workplace is a meritocracy, which is totally privileged (laughs) and sort of lovely. And that I wasn't given a heads up about sexism. But when I finally realized, oh my God, this is unfair. And it's not just the statistics, okay? It is also about the everyday little experiences, right? They're called microaggressions that make us feel less than, that that counts. That is not something to necessarily say, well, never mind, that didn't happen. Or, oh my gosh, I think it's my fault, right? There's a lot of internalization that women tend to put on ourselves when something feels wrong, discriminatory. And it, you know, it was one of those experiences that made me 
want to start Ladies Get Paid. And so I was at an advertising festival and I walked into an event, the first party, a lot of men, an older guy comes up to me, smiles, sticks out his hand and he says, well, hi, whose wife are you? <laughs> Uh, nobody's wife. I was there on business. And here's the thing, that full week at the advertising festival, there were so many conversations that I had where I felt uncomfortable, where I was either being objectified or quite frankly, ignored, where men would only talk to men, not even shake my hand. And at the end of all of this, I, you know, I wrote an essay of just, not just what happened, but trying to process it when somebody objectified me, did, did I smile too much? Right. Again, the internalization. And I shared that essay with some girlfriends who were like, me too. All of my career, I have been navigating uncomfortable or sometimes awkward gender power dynamics. Think about that energy. And sometimes it was just with myself, right? The perfectionism. So, uh, you know, it just got to a place where I was like, enough, enough spending energy trying to please others, trying to protect myself from objectification. Let's talk about this stuff because there is shame that can come with these things. And turns out I'm not the only one who's mad. So I guess that's the good news. <laughs> but as long as we can channel that somewhere and help each other, you know, as I said, at Ladies Get Paid, we're trying to put ourselves out of business with our work, but there's more to be done. But I think that's amazing. And one of the things you actually made me think about when you said how you were raised is I, so I remember my grandmother at five would tell me like, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. So I was not aware that being a woman or being black had anything to do with anything, right? Like until literally I stepped out in the world, like my grandma said, I can do anything I want to do. And people were like, huh, you right. are a woman and you're black. Like where, who do you think you are? Right. And I do think it's in that moment that something sort of like a light bulb clicks on and you're like, wait a minute, how do we also help others? And also, and sometimes for us, it's it's either you're frustrated or sometimes you do, you're, you're vulnerable, frustrated, all of these mix of emotions. So I really appreciate you sort of sharing just that beginning as well. And then that moment where you're like, okay, I need to start this, right? Because ladies get paid is pretty awesome. So Hopefully you guys will all look that up if if you don't know what it is already. Jamila, what what about you? We'd love to get some of your voice in the conversation because you are doing really amazing things as well. So just your experience or how how you were brought up. Yeah, I funnily enough, I was raised in a very traditional, and I say that word to mean old school traditional environment. My dad went to work. My stepmom stayed home and kind of took care of the house and took care of the kids. And so I feel like now that I am of age or a woman myself, you know, and I'm in that spot where I am looking to start my own family, I am looking to find a partner. Conversations that have been coming up lately have really been irking me, if you will, because I can remember being told by some family that I have to be careful that starting a business and having a successful one and being successful, I'm going to be intimidating men. And I also will be limiting the pool of men, which are options for me. And, and I think that's a very important narrative to dissect and to discuss and not shy away from, because why is it that there's so many iterations of worth and what we're taught as women, but why is it that my value and what I see as worthy, having a career, having a business that I'm very proud of, like, why should that stop or inhibit my ability to then have another 
element of life that I'm proud of, which is a family and a partner. So I, I think it's a very interesting conversation and, and balance, so to speak, because a lot of times our worth is measured against males, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's actually huge. I, I don't know if the, if you ladies have heard this one before, but I've heard a lot of that just about limiting your possibilities in finding partners. And a lot of people are are telling you essentially as a woman, it's it's almost like you have to dumb yourself down in order to be more yeah. attractive and in order to gain a partner. This is like now I'm amazed that in 2021, this is something that I'm hearing so, so much. And I'm and I'm even hearing men on podcasts or different things talking about, okay, ladies, if you want to find a partner, you need to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, wait, what? Like we're, we're still having this conversation. So I think that's a big one. It leads me to also thinking about finance, right? And as we bridge into thinking about financial worth, right? So when we think about financial worth in this current world, what are your thoughts behind that? getting into this defining our worth financially and how how does that play into this whole conversation that's bigger about women and worth? I mean, it always begins with how we're socialized, okay? Because I could say, well, start saving or investing, or but you're not going to do it if you don't believe that you can take a risk, which we're brought up to be very low risk, okay? You won't do it if you have a, a scarcity mindset. So there's a lot of just, it's not greedy to want money, okay? To remind ourselves that ask questions if you don't know the answer. You're not stupid, okay? There's no stupid question. We're not taught this. Um, if you feel intimidated when you think of the stock market because there's, you know, bros and vests, you're not wrong. There are bros and vests, okay? <laughs> so first we just have to say, ah, I am worthy. I can do this. Anyone can learn it. And then it's about finding communities like ours uh, because, again, we're not taught this stuff. So I, I just, you know, even beginning the conversation is normalizing the conversation is, is a huge step to take. Mm -hmm. And how clear do you think that we get into that mindset? Because some people, when you weren't taught that or you were specifically taught that you go get yourself a husband that's how you're going to be okay in life or other sort of limiting beliefs. How can, how can women make that mindset shift, right? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, at the end of the day, you need your independence because you will not be able to walk away from a relationship or a job if you do not have that financial safety net, right? Like the strongest negotiators are the ones who are able and willing to walk away. So that's first thing first. The next thing is there are people out there, and by people, I mean men, white men, they're getting rich. You are not. When somebody negotiates, they're subsidizing. If there's a contract, you can negotiate it, okay? If there's investment to be made, compound interest, aka free money, if you do not go and get that, somebody else will. Why do you not want to be that person? So that's, you know, that's huge. And at the very end of the day, I mean, think about your kids. If you're going to have them, you know, think about generational wealth, which women and particularly women of color, families of color do not have. So at the very least, if you won't advocate for yourself, you know, advocate on behalf of everybody else. Okay, Claire, I, yeah, I officially love you. You brought up something about wealth. Like, let's talk about, I, I literally saw a graph of like the generational wealth in the black community and then the white community, it will literally bring you to tears. Yes. Yes, it will. Jamila, do you have any comments about even just as we're thinking just to build on what Claire said, when we start thinking about generational wealth and financial worth, this is a even bigger topic. 
Yeah, I think also generational wealth, the connotation is male, right? What did your father or your grandfather pass on to you because their business was successful and they're then able to allocate those funds or pass on that stuff on to their son and then so on and so on and so on. I, I feel like a lot of women don't see ourselves in that light. We don't see ourselves as the ones that are going to create these empires or these entities or like Claire said, you know, portfolios, investment portfolios that are putting you in such a position that, you know, you don't have to worry. You don't have to rely on other people. You do have stuff to pass on to somebody else. And I think that, you know, the conversation that really revolves around that is something that definitely needs to be had because when I think of the word inheritance and even growing up, I always thought male, like men, like you're not getting anything from your mom. Your mom might be the one that stayed at home and took care of the family, but you know, in this time and age, like that's something that we really have the power to change. So Claire, I love everything you just said. Like I'm over here nodding mm-hmm. and clapping and snapping. Because <laughs> it's the accumulation of it. It's again, and, and for anybody who's feeling like, again, I don't have any money. I, it just takes, it takes so little because over time that will make you money. So it's not about getting money, gambling it. I mean, again, if you want to do options trading, best of luck to you. So just remember, everything's long-term. Generational wealth is just that. It's generations. Investing, compound interest over time. So again, for those of you who are feeling like you don't even have a cent to spend, it doesn't take that much to make money. Yeah, I I love that you gave things that are also kind of concrete. If we think about this conversation around just financial worth and and ladies being able to level up, I would love to just get like one quick thing from each of you on how you begin that, right? Like how you begin leveling up in terms of like financial worth and getting into this conversation. What would be your one thing, Claire? Um, Well, it begins with your paycheck, I mean, it just does. I mean, this is why our whole company began on the premise of helping women negotiate. It also depends on the kind of job you have. Too often women are in positions where they are supporting others or who have roles that it's not quite clear how they bring in money for the company. I'm talking HR and admin and marketing, right? That makes it harder for you to negotiate. So I would love us all to keep an eye on industries and roles and departments, okay, like sales that are male-dominated who clearly bring in money for the company, therefore have an easier case to make. We need to be getting into those fields, okay? That's number one. And then number two is, what are you going to do with that paycheck after the fact? So I don't mean to simplify it too much, but those are the two straightforward things that you could do tomorrow is go in and have a conversation with your boss about your growth at the company, how you can position yourself for more, and that includes money, and then Go open up a mutual fund. Uh, you know, go go get a financial advisor. I, I have to tell you, that is the most important thing you can do with your paycheck is to make sure that you're investing it into the stock market. I love some of the comments that were made with regards to the creation of generational wealth. So what I do primarily is focus on actually education. So my first or starting point would be to educate yourself. Make sure that you are learning the basics. Do you understand what money actually is? Do you understand ways in which you can grow the money that you currently have outside of just asking for a raise? Are you interested in learning how to invest? If so, where do you start? Obviously, Claire mentioned starting with a financial advisor, even taking matters into your own hands and beginning that education process by doing research into companies that you find to be interesting, companies that you know you'd want to invest in, and 
simulating the process before you even open an account. There are a number of stock simulators as well as option simulators that you can use to actually learn how to do it first before you jump headfirst into something that you really have no idea of. And then for me, beyond just women, it's educating the household, educating your children. So I have two coloring books that educate children on the basics of financial literacy. So making sure that as mom is learning, the children are learning as well. And it becomes a family financial literacy process, becoming educated together. Because if we're really talking about generational wealth, right, the generation, the next generation would be your children. So if you can learn and you can teach them or you all can learn together, then you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, for lack of a better term. Yeah, definitely. I I love that. And I think it is important to make sure that the conversation goes beyond us, right? Because we can be doing whatever we want all day long as ladies, but if we're not including our children, if we're also not including men into the conversation ever, right, then we we suddenly stay stuck, I feel like. I would say, I think it just goes down to the basics, right? I think every woman should really equip herself with just basic understanding of finances. So knowing, you know, checking versus savings. If you're going to go with a financial advisor, knowing how to make the move with that. And I'd even say go as far as the stock market in itself, just knowing the basics of buying and selling. Uh, One thing I will say is my dad has always been a fervent investor. And that's something that, you know, I didn't have a choice in terms of exposure to. And, you know, at this point in my life, I'm just so grateful because like I can talk about stocks with my girlfriends and everyone's kind of like, what you do that? Like, huh? And then if I talk about it with the guys, they're like, yeah, like I made this X amount of money this week, bro. Like, why are we doing this ladies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to get involved. So just equip yourself with the very basics, even if it's just investing in a few shares of your favorite brand. Like if you look at the statistics of spending within households, women control spending. So we know what's up. We know what's going on. Even like trends in the market, like we know what's popular, we know what's hot. So even if you're doing like passion investing, just really being smart about passive income, because why not? Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's good that we also share, right? That we have a network. And that's one of the things that I love about what you're talking about, Claire, and what you do with Ladies Get Paid is because nobody's doing things alone, Right. Like we need to share. And so I think it's great as women when we are also sharing our resources or letting our friends or people in our circle know when you hear about something or something new that you know about investing or a new app or all of these different communities, I think helps bring us together and we all sort of rise together. This idea that we're just rising alone, I I think is, is not necessarily a healthy one. And it also makes me think as we start thinking about investing and saving money and all of these things, I think we do need to mention just in general women in the workforce. But when we think about women in the workforce and kind of what's happening now and there's work from home and even just like the whole entire pandemic, what are your thoughts around right now what's happening if we think about current current day and present day with women in the workforce? Anyone want to chime in on that? 
Yeah, I'll I'll start with the positive because it's so hard to be positive right now. What is happening? Seeing the fact that 140,000 women left the workforce in December alone, right? You know, the she session is what people are calling it. There were problems to begin with that people swept under the rug. Now, here's the positive they can no longer deny it. They can no longer deny it, right? We're the default caretakers. Look how badly we are suffering from being the ones to educate our children at home, okay? That we are stepping back from working full-time simply because, again, we are the default caretakers. We always were. We always were. So if this is not a time to show people how badly paid family leave, universal childcare, and minimum wage is needed, I don't know what would have been that wake-up call. So we're suffering today, but you know, sometimes things need to hit a breaking point before you can make positive change. So that's my attempt at being positive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It just brings up so much for me too, because I think about this pandemic and we just cannot deny that women have had such a, I don't want to say even a raw deal because that's not super positive, but I just, what I see even just in my circle with women who had great jobs and then suddenly they were the ones forced to take care of the kids. The, the men kept on going, right? Working during the pandemic, but suddenly daycare is closed or schools are closed. And then the woman is like, oh, okay, now it's me, Right. So you just made me think about that when you said, I'm going to try to stay positive, but it's so hard because I just started thinking about work and this perspective of work during the pandemic for many women who, yes, some were laid off. And then some just simply were, they were not laid off, but they were forced to, then their role was as the mother, right? And so they couldn't necessarily think about that or, or juggle. Kiara, any thoughts that you have now on what's happening for women in the workforce? Sure. So I do think that the pandemic has turned everything upside down. That's probably a very oversimplified way of staying. Just the stability that some people may have felt that they had prior to the pandemic, that doesn't exist anymore, right? But I also think it makes us focus on the fact that the workforce has never been stable. Most people that are working, for example, in higher education or any form of education, you're at will. (laughs) So at any point in time, your employer can get rid of you whenever he, she, they wants to. So I think the pandemic, especially for me and people in my circle, has been a reassertion of the idea that you have to have multiple streams of income. You cannot just have one stream of income because if you do and you lose your job, it affects you, it affects your family, it affects your children and so on. So Ironically enough, in my circle, we've talked way more about investing than ever. I'm the person that people would always go to to ask questions about just financial literacy and and getting started. But now I see people saying, you know, I did set aside or I did meet my monthly savings goal or I am doing these things because I can't afford not to. I'm excited to see more women get involved in this creation of wealth beyond just their nine to five and beyond just the workforce because that's really the key to you being financially successful. You have to have more than one stream of income. You also said something that I would love to just get more into. When you spoke about future generations, I think it's really important for us to start moving into how we sort of continue to move forward and thinking about our children, even thinking about our brothers and sisters and everyone. How do we continue to move forward and how do we educate our children? This is one of the things that you brought up earlier that I just really wanted to start touching upon. Well, 
before you can even have the conversation, you have to be comfortable having the conversation. Because I know more specifically in Black households, when we talk about money more often than not, when I was growing up, my parents or my grandparents were kind of like, that's grown folks business. Like, we're not talking to you about this. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about a mortgage. Don't worry about, you worry about being a kid, right? And I think there are ways to still have someone be a child, but still say, hey, this is what a $5 bill actually is, or this is what a $5 bill gets you in the supermarket. I mentioned I have A for Effort LLC, which is a business committed to financial literacy for children, teens, and families. So when I go into classrooms or I have conversations with parents as a guest speaker, I tell them, take your everyday experiences and turn that into a learning process. If you have to take your kids to the supermarket, there, for the books that I've created, there, there's paper money in the back. So cut out the paper money and give them their own envelope full of money and say, hey, as mom shopping or as dad shopping, you get your little items and you put them in a the cart, but you have to read the prices and tell me how much this is. Or if the child's too young to read the prices, the parent can do it for them. Hey, this is $5. So I need a bill that has a five on it. Show, you know, and that One, that keeps them busy in a supermarket, which I know for many moms is a point of contention, making sure that your kids are, you know, occupied. But then two, it's engrossed in the process of your everyday life. Or if you're home, put post-it notes, excuse me, around your house and say, hey, this costs $5. If you want to play the game, you've got to give me a $5 bill. This costs $10. If you want ice cream, I need a $10 bill. It's all about making it real for your kids. It doesn't have to be some separate conversation or secret, you know, conversation that you have when they hit a certain age. Begin early, have the conversation often and make it fun. I think they'll remember more the more fun that you make it. Yeah, these are all good points. I hope you were taking notes, folks, because I thought about just even even as a kid going to the grocery store with my parents and having no concept of like things I was throwing into the cart, right? how much they cost. And I think it would have been amazing if I would have, if I would have even had that perspective of my mom being like, okay, did you realize that box of cereal was $6 you just threw into the cart? Right. And so I I think this is an important part of, of learning. Definitely. Claire, any thoughts that you have on how, how we sort of help these future generations and how that looks? Everything that was just said, I'm I need to go find this. I mean, I don't have kids, but I want this coloring book for myself. That's brilliant. And when things are taboo, that's when we have problems, right? Again, I mentioned shame in the beginning, thinking you're the only one. That only happens when you don't speak up. And so just having the conversation, again, this is all very complicated and overwhelming, but it turns out it's pretty straightforward what the solution is. Hey, what do you think about money? And by the way, white men out there, if you say you want to be allies, the best thing you can do right now is tell a woman how much money you make, if you negotiated, how you did it, if you're investing, how you did it. That again, simple, straightforward, having the conversation is so, so crucial. Okay, you. this was one of the topics that I wanted to bring up and you just beautifully segued into it because I did want to get one tip from everyone about how we make men allies. Because I think sometimes people think it's like, well, no, you're against us or you're, how do we bring them also into the conversation and make them allies? We have a phrase in Ghana, my family is from Ghana, that is, it's not by force. So I think it has to be a want, like we need to get men on board. We need them to, to get them to understand these differences We need to get them to understand it, the need for equity along these lines. 
and we need to get them to want to root for us and want to push us up. I think it's easy as women to understand why we need to bring other women to the table. And when one of us wins, we all win. But I think just clear channels of communication and just being really open and candid about these issues that we face and why they are significant. Right. I think that they have to have, similar to what Jamila was saying, an understanding of the why. Like, why is it that women even need male allies, right? Like, do you understand the significance of how much women are underpaid in comparison to men? Do you really know what the wage gap actually is? Like, how much it actually is? And if you are aware of that, then to me, if you're someone that cares about the person who is coming to you and asking for support, it should be a no-brainer. This woman is being paid cents on the dollar in comparison to me. And so if I'm in a position to elevate her, to champion her, to speak on her behalf, let me do that. If I'm not directly involved in the negotiation process or the ability to pay her more money, let me still be an advocate for this not being the norm anymore. We have to get rid of that being the norm where men are just automatically paid more than women. And men can end that. Women, we can fight and scream and kick and say all these things, but men have to say, hey, this is a problem for us too, and we want to end this issue. Now, are they going to do that? (laughs) I don't know. Stay tuned for the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Bunch of men. so so true, Claire. It's like, stay tuned. we'll, We'll update you. I feel like this is like the sequel, right? The other thing that that I would love to understand is as we just think about worth in the future, what is our, like if you had to sum up your hope for women in terms of financial worth for the future, what would be that like just one sentence? This is what I would love to see in the future, right? I, we can value ourselves as much as we try, but until it is recognized there's only so much we can do. I, I said this before, it comes down to the to the social safety net. It's not, we're not going to make the systemic change, no matter how much we might advocate for a promotion or a raise. That's only improving our own lives. So how do we help all women, especially women who are in hourly positions and in service industries? That's the biggest contributor to the wage gap. Those are the women who lost their job during the pandemic. The only way we're going to be able to take care of those women is when we pass better more progressive laws. And that also means getting more women and women of color into positions of leadership because when they are there, inherently, that improves it for everybody. And even for businesses, when there's diversity and leadership in a business, the bottom line is improved. So yeah, it benefits us, but it benefits men. It benefits everybody. So universal childcare, paid family leave, minimum wage, please, please add your voice to that. That is what will make the real change that we all need. I love it. And and women and Black women in leadership and not just as a chief diversity officer, folks. Like, right? We can be other positions besides chief diversity. So I love that. What Thank you, you for saying that. Thank you. Too often, there I'm on panels and the one Black woman is like, she's the DEI person. And it's like, we get it. Like, I want the CEO here. Where's the CEO? And if you can't find one, you're not looking hard enough. Yeah, Claire just said Claire just said it all, folks, right? Okay, Kiara, what what do you think? What would be your your one sort of line for the the future of this? 
I just want women to be at peace. And I understand that being financially stable or, you know, financially well off allows for a different level of peace of mind. I think as women, we stress way too much, <laughs> way more than maybe we we should, we should have to because of all the responsibilities that we have from one day to the next. And we're literally carrying this world, right? Like, I don't care if that sounds anti-men. I'm not anti-men, but I think women are the glue, again, that hold the world together. So if we can create opportunities for women to truly be able to build wealth for themselves and experience peace or freedom to do what they please, to live life the way that they would like to, I would love to see that. Do I think that that's possible for every single woman? I don't know that it's going to be some grand gesture for every woman or everyone's going to be a multimillionaire. But I do think in everyday circumstances, you can experience peace by some of the things that we talked about in the episode today, by creating those streams of income, by advocating for a raise, by, you know, doing things that really set yourself up to be successful in the future. So I really want to see more women happy and at peace. Great. Jamila? I think mine's pretty simple. I just think if we experience a world in which when you request a CEO, when you discuss a fund manager, when you're talking about a founder and investor, there's just no shock or surprise when it's a woman. I think these internalized notions that we all kind of grow up on where certain roles, certain responsibilities, certain income levels are attributed to men, just, you know, finally getting to a point where when you hear, you see that it's a woman, it's like, cool. Okay, next. It's not even a thing. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. And and as we think about moving forward with this, how do we, when we think about Gen Z and Alpha Gen, and there's probably so many others that, of course, are coming after that, how do we motivate and inspire them, right? How do we push them forward and get them really involved in this conversation? Leading by example. Leading by example and expressing your enthusiasm, again, despite how overwhelming and depressing all this can be. I mean, clearly all of us on this podcast right now, we're very jazzed about what we do and we are hopeful for the future. That's inspirational for somebody to watch. Uh, And, you know, you sort of can't be what you can't see. So we we are that for them. I actually think they're doing an even better job sometimes than we are because I think they realize how bad it is. Whereas many of us as millennials, we're like, oh, this seems fair. And then 9-11 happens, 2009 happens, COVID happens. And now here we are. Be be what you want to see. They will follow. Yeah, that's true. And and I will say in some ways they are doing better, yeah. <laughs> better than us in a lot of topics. We're just like, la, 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 I didn't realize. Like sexism, racism, really? What? All of these different things. And they're like, hello. Like, are you not watching? What about you, Kiara? I just want to encourage them to continue to challenge the status quo. Like they're the generation that I think is going to change everything because they're not afraid to speak up and speak out and say, this doesn't make sense. I don't like this. Women get paid less than men. Yeah, okay, whatever. Not in my company. (laughs) Like, I think that they're going to be the ones to really affect that change. So as much as we can do to champion them and truly be like allies to them, I think we'll see a change with Gen Z and the generations that follow. So I just want to see them keep going, keep pushing. I love it. Yeah. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with staying at home or not wanting to work or whatever agreement you have with your partner where you are not the breadwinner. But also personally, I feel like there is just something 
undeniable about being able to get your own and create your own success and just seeing the result for from all of your hard work and all the passion you put into some things, I would just say like, do not be afraid to chase that check. Get your money, ladies. Like, There is nothing wrong with that. Please mimic these men. We need it. Okay. I would love if you can take us out with just one action item. If you think of one action item or mindset shift that people can do like today or in the next week, what would that one action item be? Claire. Tell yourself you're doing a good job that life is hard, but break it down. Like in this moment, close your eyes, be grateful for the breath coming out of your body. You are here, you are loved and ah, just relax, right? If you can be less hard on yourself. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're doing great. Yes. I love you almost made me, I felt like it was an exercise. I almost literally closed my eyes and I'm like, wait a minute, I need to like continue because suddenly your voice got like, you inspired me. I was like, I need that as well. So thank you for that. that uh, no, I said it because I needed it. Oh, I'm, fr- <laughs> okay. I'm freaking out. I'm totally freaking. My internet didn't work 10 minutes ago. So, and also naps. If y'all need to close your eyes for five minutes, please let's do it. <laughs> thank you so much, Claire. Wow. Okay. Kiara. I would say get rid of any and all limitations that you may have for yourself mentally. Like you can do anything that you set your mind to. You can manifest anything in your life that you believe is like possible for yourself. So just any any stigma, any any blockage, any anything, get rid of it. This is a year to me. It's a very special year because it's a year of manifestation. I believe that everything is in abundance this year. We went through a lot last year. We're still obviously going through a lot with the pandemic, but the more that you can shift your mind to believing that you are truly invincible and that nothing is impossible, I think you will be in a great place. So go after it, get it, whatever you deserve. Yeah, I was going to say exactly what Kiara said. Just, you know, changing your can'ts to I, I can, like you can. Just reframing your mindset. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it's just one dollar at a time, one chair at a time educating yourself on one subject at a time like you can and you will. Great. Thank you so much, ladies. Like this was just great. For me, it it was just a great hour, even just out of the day, just to connect. I love all of your perspectives that you shared and they're all just such different backgrounds, but just a room full of rock stars. Amazing. That was an absolutely incredible conversation. Delving into where women were in this pursuit and fight and where we are and where we are going. This minority majority of women is changing the landscape of worth across the board. We'll be linking all of the different companies and references that they made throughout, including that color book, on our podcast page, along with a one-pager of this conversation, just in case you want to print it and tape it on your wall for some daily motivation and inspiration. As always, thank you listeners for joining us for this special episode. Stay safe, lovely money people, and we will chat with you next time. You've been listening in with Your World, Your Money. You can find us at ywympodcast.com and stay updated on Instagram at Global Thinking Foundation USA. Be sure to rate and review us and you can reach us with questions or thoughts at hi at ywympodcast.com. Our thanks again to Hangar Studios and Global Thinking Foundation. Thanks, friends. Happy money making. We'll see you next time.